Hi everyone, welcome to She Can STEM. Today I'm here with Miss Kate Maloney, who runs the Infosys Foundation USA, and Miss Danette Seward, who is the Infosys Vice President and Global Alliances Leader. Hi Kate and Danette, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you tell me a little bit about what sparked your interest in the STEM field? Kate, you wanna go first? Well, I was gonna say to you, um, Tanya, I have, uh, I've come into the STEM world late, like very, very, very late, i.e. 15 months ago, uh, late. So um, I'm an adult entering the STEM space in, um, from a career perspective, more than an academic perspective. And I really wanted to be involved with an organization that was investing in education and if you're investing in education in the 21st century, you better be talking about computer science and STEM related topics, right? So um, I think the, the fact that I get to lead the Infosys Foundation in the US and all of the efforts that we do are focused on STEM and computer science, um, that, that seemed, that was like a passion point or an inspiration. So I am um, probably unlike what you're going to hear from Danette in a minute, uh, relatively new to the space. Um, how about you, Danette? All right. Uh, for me, um, I did not come in late. I came into the STEM world uh, out of college uh, three and a half decades ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I was what interested me in technology at that point you know, it was twofold. One, I always loved gadgets. Not that we had many gadgets back then. They were very different than we have today. It, it you know, technology really stood out for me. And um, I found in school, luckily, I was good at it. I was very good at it. I had those logical math skills that lend itself to coding in very different languages and in very different ways than, than we code today. But, um, but those skills, those logical skills, those mathematical skills definitely paid off for me and, and finding a, a career and a career path that I, that I love. So that was where I got into it. And, and it has been a, an amazing ride just to see the changes and the, you know, what has happened to technology and um, what we have to learn, how we have to learn even uh, over the, the course of the, the, Three and a half decades. Wow, that's amazing. From the time you were in like school and university compared to like when you were in the work field itself, did you notice like a change in how people treated women who are entering the STEM field? You want me to take that one first, Kate? Yeah, you go for it. Um, look, for sure over the years there has been tremendous amount of change um, and and definitely a more inclusive environment um, frankly for me you know when I was in university I was probably the only girl and at least in my coding classes the only girl woman in those classes for sure right um, that's definitely changed in university uh, today but then I went I was lucky the first job I got out of school was with IBM and IBM has been a leader for so long around diversity um, and inclusion. And so I was in an environment where, um, you know, there were, there were women, um, you know, but, um, you know, but, but clearly over the years, we've seen that change, not fast enough, not enough, 
Um, I feel very fortunate that as someone that became a leader uh, in, a tech, in the technology world, I was able to take some things that I knew needed to change and implement them myself and be able to make, uh, make that change in, in some very deep technical pockets uh, and all over the globe. So, um, so definitely things are, are changed not fast enough. We're, not, we're still obviously not where we need to be. But I think the, I, had, I had math teachers in college tell me, uh, I'm not in college, I'm sorry, in high school, tell me um, not to go into a technical career to find something else, right? Whether, uh, and they, you know, they, they didn't discourage me. They kind of made, gave me that, hmm, I'll show you kind of thing going on. But, um, uh, but I did have teachers that, that uh, told me that. And Kate, you're probably much closer to the school system today than I am, but I, I certainly hope that is uh, not the case anymore. Um, although it does give you that little bit of grit and perseverance that sometimes I think we need to succeed in the, in the world as women. Yeah, I, I, Tanya, my experience may, may, is not exclusively STEM, but I, it was my, my personal life story where I finished uh, college and was looking to go into the finance space because this is, you know, was supposed to be the be all end all back to Danette's point, like where could you go to, to work and be financially independent and really set the groundwork for a great career. Um, my aunt at the time was working for a financial institution, was helping to open some of these doors. And I said to her, what is the role that I should put in something we used to write called a cover letter, which you probably will never need to write because we have LinkedIn and you just leapfrog over all of this. And she said, um, I suggest that you say um, your name and that you seek an administrative assistant role in a job. I'll translate what administrative assistant means in today's language. Um, executive admin, horrifically named a secretary back in the 1950s. This is horrendous. I have just finished college, um, a college that I was proud to go to, sort of in the south, near, near Danette. I was at Wake Forest. She's at Georgia. We, for whatever reason, we we're southern, southern girls. Um, Four or five years later, when my brothers, three of them, were applying to jobs, do you think that was ever the suggested title that they went after? No. They were, they were told to go after an analyst role, a junior analyst role, a program analyst, analysts being quite different, just in language. And honestly, Tanya, my eyes weren't even open at the time to how different that language is and the trajectory that they were set or launched on from very comparable schools. One's at Middlebury, one was at Holy Cross, I was at Wake, like we're not Harvard and we're not like whatever, fill in the blank. So that always stuck with me. It was, I think um, in a way I, um, well, I should say your life experience now, I don't think you will face the same type of approach because we are all so much wiser and so much more um, open-minded, generally speaking, about the equality of girls and the empowerment of girls. But really what it comes down to um, for all of that, and I'm taking your question in a different direction, um, is your mindset. 
like there's nothing that can stop you if your own as a girl as a young woman uh, with aspirations of what you'd like to do if you have the right mindset that you can there's always going to be a Danette you can like latch on to Danette as a mentor you want to have mentors and people support you and then you just dismiss anyone who thinks you can't do anything but I really we are like light years for you compared to my administrative assistant role, which is the most horrific advice I was ever given. No, I love that. And I love how much the mindsets have changed over the years, but I still think there's a little bit of bias, especially like last year I walked into my AP calculus class on the first day of school and there were 26 kids in the class and three of them were girls. And I was like, wow, that needs to change. Definitely. Tanya, it made me think, you know, and one of your questions gets to kind of what are the barriers or what's happening out there, because we're still, as a foundation, we're watching the statistics and seeing that we are losing girls around middle school age. So they may, something good may inspire them as a child, but then whether it's like the other emotional things that go on in middle school, boys and girls, something's changing so that then the funnel's becoming more narrow. And like you said, you're one of three in a class of 26. So I'm curious, have you observed other of your friends who you who once talked about being engineers and then you watched them get a little bit shy about going forward with it? Have you, have you kind of thought through maybe what could be happening out there? Um. I don't know. I know. I don't think it's a lot of girls. This isn't really girl specific, but in school, the way that we're taught is uh, ninth grade, you learn biology, 10th grade, you learn chemistry and 11th grade, you learn physics. Yeah. So like so a few of my friends have wanted to do engineering since middle school, but they weren't actually introduced to physical science till 11th grade. And then once they actually got into it, they were kind of like, oh, this isn't exactly what I thought. And now like you've had this plan for the last five years to be an engineer and now you don't know. But that's, it's not, not girl specific, but I think that's a big. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I can equate that, Tanya. I think we have the, this, the same issue around languages, right? Is that we don't really introduce a second language or a third language until high school in most, in most places as a requirement, right? And so you, it's very difficult to build a passion when you've already gone through a significant portion, you know, 15 years, um, 14 years, whatever. I mean, you know, a lot of your education is, um, you know, you, you've already set this trajectory on, on other things. And like you said, how do you know what you do or don't like? And then you get one little taste of it and you're like, Ooh, that's hard. But had you been introduced to that at a much earlier level, uh, I, I think you, you build up so much more um, knowledge and, and an open mindset about things that you can do with that instead of just one three month, but you know, here's the curriculum, we're going to teach you this, right? How do you really take that and expand it? So I think it goes to being able to really um, bring that bring those things earlier. I think you make a really great point on you around, you know, just waiting so late in the cycle. It's, um, it's, it's uh, some changes that I think we need to make, and then we yeah. can address, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, so what do you think is the biggest cause of the gender gap in the STEM workplace? And how do you think we should combat that? Uh, I'll start if you want, Kate. Thanks. Um, sure. Look, I, I think um, 
look, one of the things that you just mentioned, Tanya, that you said was, you know, there's still that bias. Uh, I think today, I hope <laughs> that that bias is more unconscious. So it's not that people are thinking, I want to suppress women or I want to suppress people of color or I want to, you know, they're not so much thinking that, but, but we all have these biases that are built in. I have them, you have them, you know, based on, um, you know, where we grew up, how we grew up, what we've been exposed to, what we haven't been exposed to, right? So we have all of these things that are a, a part of us as people, as individuals um, that we bring in. And I think that unconscious bias um, is, is still the biggest barrier that women have in STEM careers, right? So it's not so overt anymore, like, like Kate said, you know, you might want to think about, you know, being an administrative assistant, not that, uh, you know, overt, 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 or Danette, you know, don't go into programming because you're a girl, you can't do it, math is not your thing, right? Um, turns out math really was my thing. Um, but, uh, um, you know, so I think to overcome that, to the second part of your question, it's really about, education and people adopting, you know, even, even at, you know, my age and my level of experience, being able to come into the workplace or into any situation these days with an open mindset that says, I want to learn, right? I'm not going to, I'm not here to convince you why I'm right and you're wrong. I'm really here to learn um, from you no matter your age, um, you know, whatever level of diversity you are, I'm here to learn from you. And that helps me overcome my own unconscious biases. And I think, you know, if we can, you know, get better at that education and training in the corporate world across, you know, any profession, you know, it will help us, um, you know, continue to achieve more in the, in the things that we're passionate about. So I'd say for me, I think that's probably the biggest, um, the biggest barrier that I see. And, and, we can overcome that. We absolutely can overcome that. I agree. I think um, so often what you get inspired to do in life is what you see around you. So if your parent was a doctor, perhaps your mentality is more switched on to medicine or teacher or a creative movie producer, whoever, whatever is that environment is sort of all you know as a young person and you try to think, well, I need to be the lawyer, doctor, movie producer, athlete, whatever that is. So I think um, sometimes, and if girls are growing up in a home where there's no encouragement about technology or engineering, or there's the bias that Danette referred to, it's not meant to be intentionally exclusive. It's just more maybe the son or the boys in the home get encouraged to go one way and the girls another. Um, that can be kind of a, a very early barrier that's a little more subtle than an overt barrier, which may be that there just aren't computer science classes or there's not a girls to code camp or there's not um, a, a program offered like Girl Scouts, which you've benefited from. I think also um, there's maybe the gender gap when you get to the professional ranks because girls don't know all the amazing things you can do with technology. Like all the ama amazing, any industry now, any job, any industry requires competency with digital learning and technology, um, much more than it did when I was your age. So I think now, um, 
going into computer science or STEM or coding doesn't mean you're behind the scenes doing coding or you're in the, the office that no one sees. Um, you can be in the sports industry working on the physics of a golf club swing. You can be in the post-production movie space. You can be working on biopharma. Every industry is open to you, um, but you need to expose yourself early to all of these different career paths. And I don't think our schools are necessarily doing enough of a job, Tanya, explaining and showing all the, everything that's out there and what the courses and steps might be for you to, to arrive. So I think some of that is um, culturally, we need to do a better job. And then in our school systems, doing a better job of being educated. And then even in the home for parents to know um, and have conversations with young girls about where they want to go and what's really out there. I agree. Um, just one other thing I read, I think one of the biggest uh, reasons that girls choose not to go into STEM is just the lack of role models, the fear of being mistreated in the workplace. And I think that's that's something that definitely needs to change. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Dana, you mentioned that in your, uh, you said your college coding courses, you were like one of the only girls in there. What effect do those kind of situations have on your confidence? Um, look, I think uh, it might depend on the day a little bit, um, you know, because <laughs> Because I think uh, emotions and, and how we handle uh, situations, you know, is, is depends on how we're showing up that day. But for me, I think, um, you know, for the most part, it, it's motivational. It was motivational for me, right? Um, uh, because I had a, a very supportive uh, father uh, who was, by the way, uh, generationally ahead of of where most men were um, at his age. My father was born in 1911, to give you a, a wow. little bit of a clue. And so when you think about his age and the way he was supportive of me, you know, going in and, and you know, there was never any question I could do whatever I wanted to do. He taught me how to throw a baseball. He taught me how to throw a football. And, you know, he encouraged me while he could never code. That was not, you know, something that didn't even exist. Um, you know, his encouragement that I could be and do whatever I want, you know, went a, went a long way to motivate me through those, uh, those times. I will say that for me, I guess I was uh, fortunate. I grew up with um, all of my cousins were boys. I was the only girl. So I was surrounded by boys that, um, you know, that, that, and so kind of going into that environment it didn't intimidate me so much on most days, not every day, you know, nobody's perfect, um, but it didn't intimidate me. So I think for me, it really motivated me to, um, and once I saw that my grades were better, that my coding was better, that my programs were better, um, you know, it was kind of an awakening that was, um, you know, that was like, hey, I, I can do this and I'm good at it. And, um, you know, I'm just gonna keep going and see how far it'll take me. So it was motivational, I think, for me. That's amazing. How about you, Kate? Tanya, co um, confidence in the classroom with, with boys at a young age and then all the way up to corporate settings that I'm sure Danette has been in like me um, with ta a table, all of men. Um, I did a lot of work in Latin America before 
in early in my career and was often in that culture, which is an even more intensely um, gender aware culture, would be at a table of all men speaking Spanish and they would all shake their head, yesing me. And then we'd go back to our day and I realized they did not take a note. They weren't going to do anything. They just said they were going to do. They were, it was all like smoke and mirrors. So culturally I have, I have lived, I think what you're trying to get at, whether you are dismissed or embraced because you're a woman or a young girl, but I think confidence is just something you work on all the time and you just keep shaping it and you keep reading books about people who inspire you and you take lessons from them. I think um, I always, in, in the mentoring I do, I always push young girls or boys to think of who's the person when you read about them, you think I wanna be them. And then go back and figure out where did they go to school? What did they study? What, what can you access um, interview wise that tells their life story and pick up little, little boosts because not even just man or woman. Um, you will have bosses that are challenging, coworkers that are challenging, like the world is sometimes wanting to dig and find your weakness. It's probably some Darwinian thing that goes on. So you, um, you just have to work at it like a muscle. And really, like I talked about the mindset that you can do and you dream of doing and you start seeing it and then you just push the boys out of the way. Like Danette said, half the time, you're smarter than them and outwitting them. So the whole thing is a mirage. Just right. ignore well, them. Just, just, a, just a quick story, Tanya. And I, and, and I think this, you know, for me, this was a turning point. Um, when I was uh, a young sales rep, I, I came up in the engineering ranks and then I flipped over to be a technical salesperson. And, um, uh, and everybody was always going on these golf tournaments, playing golf with their customers and with their partners and big tournaments and stuff. And I played golf. I wasn't very good, um, but I, I played and, uh, but I was always scared to go play in these tournaments. So finally I get my nerve up and I get out there and it's a tournament tournament of about a hundred people. It's in outside of Phoenix. Um, I'm one of two women out of a hundred, two women, that's it. And the rest were all driving the golf cart, you know, driving the carts with the prizes or the, or the, you know, the drinks or whatever. Right. So it was two of us. We get up to the first tee box and I am a nervous wreck going, Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? Why am I out here? What I'm going to totally humiliate myself. The three men teed off first and their golf balls were all over the place. <laughs> and I stood there thinking, Oh my God, they're as bad as I am. Right. So, and, and they would tell you, you know, talking to them, you'd think they were like on the pro tournament that, you know, oh yeah, I play golf twice a week, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my, I'm not even in that realm. Right. And, and so I wound up, you know, hitting the, the long, longest uh, tee shot of the day. So I won a little magnifying thing. Oh I, I mean, and, and all these things, which was just hysterical because I had totally over, you know, intimidated myself and my own yeah. skill based on what I heard them saying, not based on their real ability or, you know, or mine, but just based on that perception. And, and so it was a real eye-opening for me. I'm still bad at golf, but 
you know, but it, we're not on the PGA, none of us, yeah. right? So if they were that good, they would not be doing the jobs they do like me, right? They'd be on the, on the tour somewhere. So sometimes it's just that perception that we can psych ourselves out that I think you sometimes just have to take a breath and go, I'm going to be okay with this. And you know what, if I'm not the best on the course, that's okay. Right. Uh, you know, we'll all, we'll all get by. So uh, it was a kind of an eye opening time for me though. For sure. I um, actually, right now I compete on my school speech and debate team. And one of the biggest things I notice is when you leave, we have like rounds of six people and there's a judge. So when we leave the round, I walk out and I'm like, oh my gosh, I messed up that one part. That was the worst thing ever. And I was talking to a guy in my round and he was like, oh, like I kind of messed up, but I still think I'm going to do well. Like that was good for me. I was like, oh wow. Like that's a mindset. Tanya, that's it. Right there. What you just experienced, Danette and I can tell you stories over and over and over in a corporate setting that continues. So you're learning young to just like believe in your capabilities, stay humble, but definitely believe in your ability. I agree. Thank you. Um, so when you guys think of female role models, what is the first name that comes to your mind? I want to say her name is Megan Jones, although I often confuse it, who used to be the head of technology for the White House during the Obama administration. And I met her at an event last fall where she spoke, and I felt like um, I, it would be fascinating to open her mind and know what was happening in her brain because she was so intelligent, and she spoke, I think, for an hour and a half off the cuff about the most fascinating uh, topic. So in a professional realm, and I was trying to get her to speak at the conference that we're doing in a couple of weeks, and I keep seeing her name. She never responded to me. So there are the people like that who are out there or the, the women who are working at NASA and all the impressive people, but there's also um, the list of, of women who are in my immediate life, like my mom who raised four kids and taught Russian in high school and then went on to teach middle school and, and imbued in me a love and appreciation for education. It's my friends who are rock stars, having powerful jobs and raising children in the midst of COVID. It's like women who I know at the end of my street who are at a cafe that I go to every day and they're there at 7 a.m. to make sure everything's like ready to go for the rest of us. So they're like a mosaic of, of people, Tanya, women who really do it all. And I think you'll start to notice that um, they are intellectually capable, but they have a work ethic to just get things done. And then they also have the EQ, the layer that is aware of the people around them and often making time for humanity and, and the people in them. So anyone who can kind of weave all that together, they are, I'd have to give you a long list, but those are kind of the character traits if I can tweak your question, kind of the character traits that make them like heroes to me. I agree for sure. What about you, Dana? Uh, for me, I'd say, I think Kate mentioned the women that were part of NASA that, that uh, put Neil Armstrong on the moon and got him back. So, uh, you know, Catherine Johnson, um, Dorothy Vaughn and uh, Mary Jackson were their names, right? So amazing yeah. mathematicians and, um, and humble, uh, I think Kate, back to your characteristic comment. Uh, comment, but if I were going to think of 
people that are really close to me that I've had the, the honor and the privilege to work and learn from personally. Uh, two names come to mind for me. So one is my sister-in-law, uh, Sonia, who was an industrial hygienist at the Navy for some you know, 30 plus years. Uh, and, and her ability um, to, uh, to, to, you know, change the lives and save the lives of uh, people in our, in our own U.S. Navy uh, in the environments they work in and um, everything that she did and contributed. She is a huge role, role model for me. Um, second, I would say there's a woman in IBM. Uh, her name is Marie Week. Uh, she currently, I think, is GM of blockchain for IBM. Um, but I had the privilege to work for, uh, you know, I'd say probably 15 years ago. She was GM of uh, WebSphere at the time, and I ran one of the segments for WebSphere. And she is an engineer, um, you know, by from from school. I remember being in customer meetings with her, and she could go as deep technically as anybody in the room um, in a way that was so humble and, um, you know, it didn't come off as arrogant at all, uh, as opposed to some of the other people in the room who wanted to prove that they knew they were the expert. She never adopted that philosophy, right? She, she could absolutely come off as the expert in the room, but without having to prove, you know, being, putting it in a proof point. So, uh, you know, she taught me a lot about being okay with being technically uh, savvy, uh, being able to go deep, how, how important that was, but also being a leader that was, you know, that brought a diverse team to the table and, and created a, an inclusive environment of those around her. So, um, and at the time, even, she was one of the most senior female executives in IBM, and she continues that today, and she's had uh, some amazing, uh, very much leading-edge technology kind of roles in the company. And in IBM, that's a big deal, right? They're very big in, in R&D and what they deliver from the technology aspect. So I'd say between Sonia and Marie and, and uh, you know, Kate, as you said, the powerful women that I've had, you know, come into my life and be a part of it in all different kinds of, uh, you know, roles, uh, just, uh, have been inspirational across the, the, you know, across my career. And can I just build on that, Tanya? It's not maybe directly linked to your objective of this podcast, but for you, since you have the advice of two women now, as you, as you prepare for your own career, I think um, not being a technical person, but having like complete admiration for those like Danette who are, um, getting as much in the weeds experience and technical experience that you can very early in your career. Because as you evolve, you're likely just given the exhibit of you that we see now and your debate work and other, you will rise through the ranks and there will be other people likely doing all the crunching of data and tech, the tech heavy elements and you will rise to a leadership level. But having like the pins on your lapel, like to know you can go deep, were someone to challenge you, um, but then you're also building all the skill sets that make you successful to navigate in the United States, around the world, with varying um, people with whom you work that have different approaches to how they learn and how you empower them. If you're building all those tools throughout your career, just make sure you're kind of getting the, the soft and the hard as you go and they will make you, they'll really position you for success down the road. Just a little advice. <laughs> 
Thank you. From a, a non-techie, yeah. No, I love that. Um, what advice would you give to the girls who maybe don't want to enter math and science because they think it's too hard or, or don't think they're smart enough to do it? It's hard. I sometimes feel some of this Tanya is fate. It, it, everyone you talk to or the majority of people I speak to who've had amazing trajectories had the inspiration from the parent or they had an incredible teacher. Um, the woman who founded Goldie Blocks, I don't know if you're aware of this toy company, but she, um, this woman, her name is Debbie Sterling. She was appalled one day going into a toy store and just seeing this nauseous column of pink and everything was selling aprons and irons and coloring and she's like, no. So she completely has built a company on toys that are young engineers and teaching the power of computer science and engineering STEM related. And so I'm going to be interviewing her at our event in a couple of weeks and we were preparing for it. And I said, how did you land here? Like what, why, how did this door open? And she said, I had this incredible physics professor in college or high school, I'll have to clarify, who inspired her back to my point, like spoke about all the things you can do with physics or engineering. So, um, you know, I, I had a background with a lot of focus on international um, education and languages. And I think it was because I was exposed to that very early and some of my most passionate teachers who saw promise in me were those experiences. If I had had another like awesome physics instructor with all due respect to the one I had, the light bulb maybe would have gone off. So I, um, I now forget your question, but I, I really attribute so much of it to this, the spark that kind of happens unexpectedly in elementary, middle or high school. So it's those teachers. It's why we, the foundation invests in the teachers because they're bringing it to all of you. But what do you think, Danette? Um, so listen up, girls. Here's what I will tell you. It's bunk. You're totally smart enough and bright enough and have all the skills you need to do anything you want. So don't let anybody ever guide you away from your passion or your interests. Uh, because they are telling you you can't do something or sometimes even in our own head we have that little voice that says you can't do it and you can't be successful it's bunk you can do it I, I encourage you to do it and and I'd say you know to that then so put that aside put all of that stereotyping and and things that you hear from the outside world put it aside find your passion find something that will change the world. I'm counting on you as the next generation <laughs> to, to help us fix this mess we've made uh, on the planet and in the world. And, um, you know, so I encourage you to find your greatness, find your passion, uh, find a way that you can contribute to the world in a very meaningful way. Uh, and because you have the intelligence, you have all the tools you need. And now, you know, you have, um, more allies, more mentors that are willing to lean in with you and, and help in so many ways. And so, you know, take advantage of that. Do not feel like you're being a burden on people, um, that you're, you know, that, that you don't, you're not deserving of the help um, that you need. 
everybody is deserving of that. And, um, you know, so it doesn't matter how old you are, um, you know, how much experience you have, how late in life you decide to, to, to change and, and to try something new, lean into it, get the help you need, find the, put the people around you. People want to help. I want to help. And I can tell you, I have a tremendous thousands of friends around the globe. Oh, and that would be the other thing I'd say, experience everything you can. Um, I had the opportunity when I was, uh, in my forties, I'll just stay with that, um, to move to Asia. And I spent, uh, almost seven years, a little over seven years in Asia, um, in China for uh, two of that. And then in Singapore for five, um, what an amazing experience for me that really opened my mind. So find experiences that will expose you to things that are different than what you live every day. And it will expose other things and opportunities for you to explore your passions. So it's bunk. You have the knowledge. You have the opportunity. There are people that want to help you. Uh, let us help you. And, um, and follow your passion. Do something that every day you wake up and can't wait to figure out what the day holds. Because you spend far too much time in your career to not love every second of it. So that would be what I'd tell either my younger self or or you ladies, as you, uh, you look to develop your careers. That's amazing. I love that. Um, so do you guys have any final messages for listeners? Um, I, I'll just, it's the same building on Danette's encouragement. Um, pay attention to what inspires you and just keep, I love the word bunk. It's bunk. Like that's the tattoo. That's the hashtag. It's bunk. So you can kind of push away the, the non-believers and um, you want to be always an advocate for yourself. I think if you have an interest, sometimes it's not always delivered on the silver platter. So you need to do a little bit of your own homework to find the, the coding camp or the after school program or whatever it is. Um, you have to sometimes be a little bit of the sleuth to advocate for yourself, um, especially when you're trying to find mentors later in life. It does take a little bit of the leaning in and the proactive step um, because a lot of this, and those are those little early lessons in leadership and initiative. But I am a total, I welcome that there be more of you, Tanya, <laughs> you and your friends who are inspired to be engineers. And like Danette said, like change the world like we need we need you that's amazing thank you so so much um okay thank you guys so much for joining me this was amazing i loved hearing both of your stories no tanya we appreciate the opportunity yeah and well done on the on the project i've i've already listened to some of your previous podcasts and looking forward to hearing the rest of the project so keep going yeah keep going great to meet you thank you